All right, Park Hill family. Uh, I am Evan, and I'm here with Sandy. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm also here with four other amazing human beings who, personally, say hi. Where are you? Hello, Park Hill. Hi, guys. Matt and Aaliyah here. Excited to talk to you. Yeah, this, this is the conversation about First uh, Corinthians 4, 1 through 5. And we are here with another amazing couple. Will you introduce yourselves? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, this is Matthew and Elodie Rufe. We're excited to be here. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> exciting because Matthew and Elodie are being brought on as elders of Park Hill. That's We've right. Way overdue. Way overdue. Yeah, yeah we've had um, six months of prayer and preparation to bring on Matthew and Elodie Rufe as spiritual father and mother over our church. They've proven so faithful, both submitted to what God is doing through Park Hill and carrying the authority of the spirit in the way that they pastor people. Mm-hmm. And it is a joy mm-hmm. to install them as elders over Zoom right now. Woo! Yay! <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So elders throughout the New Testament are the ones who steward uh, the gift of leading the church toward Jesus. And First uh, Timothy 3, Titus 1... 1 Peter 5, all these passages, they speak so highly of the leaders that God has placed in local churches to guard and guide the life and doctrine of the church. And so right now, you're hearing from six of us, uh, the Wickhams, the Persleys, and the Rufes. We're going to be walking through 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5, which is about leadership. It's about how to be in the church and lead the church. All of us are leading people in various ways. Influence and power are synonyms, and we use whatever influence we have to make Jesus glorified in the people he's placed in our lives. And so, uh, that's one of the roles of, of eldership. And so, Matthew and Elodie, um, why don't you just like, I don't know, introduce yourselves and then um, share maybe something God's put on your heart for the church. Yeah, my name is Matthew. I'm a chemistry professor at Pont Nazarene University, and I've been attending Park Hill for almost a year and a half now, maybe two years, I think. Two years. Yeah, two years. And uh, yeah, when we decided to attend Park Hill, our goal was to really be a part of um, this church and supporting people and equipping people. And so, yeah, it's been an amazing adventure and journey. And um, what God put on our heart to do is to actually equip leaders as we move forward into our church growth and to support them as they support other people. So what, that's one of the things we really care and are passionate about is equipping leaders and just providing support needed um, through the seasons to make sure the church is equipped to grow in maturity. So that's one of the main things we have on our hearts. Yeah, and I'm Elodie. I'm also working at Pointe Loma. And I just um, really love the church. And I think, um, yeah, I think we're just really called to care for people and mm-hmm. shepherd and being a support. So that's really what I feel mm-hmm. uh, for the church. And yeah, I've enjoyed the journey. Uh, it's been amazing to be in community. And that's really what attract- attracted me. It's like just feeling like it's a big, big church, but it's really small. Uh, we're able to just be with people and um, just share life. So yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you guys are expecting a child. Yes. We are. Baby boy. The baby boy, end of June. Yeah. End of June, 27 weeks along. Yeah. Uh, and he is he is happy as a bug in a rug during a pandemic. Really at, active and alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know about coronavirus. He's happy. That would be a great story when he's born. Hey, when you were born, this happened. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a great story, but. <laughs> 
I'm just so overjoyed to know the four of you, both through Faze and the Persleys, and to serve alongside you. It's a, it's a joy, and especially during an uncertain time, to be able to show the church what God is doing through leadership and that he is building his church. I think this is, I'm really encouraged by this. Yeah. But uh, let's pray. This is amazing. Heavenly Father, thank you for building your church. Thank you, Jesus, for continuing to be faithful to your people. We're about to get into the text on Paul on on leadership and how leaders are to be seen and how leadership works. And right here, we see it working. You're raising up uh, godly men and women to pastor the church through a time that none of us could have foreseen, none of us could have planned uh, for a global pandemic. And yet uh, here we are, Lord, we have our health. Thank you for that. We pray healing for the many who are being threatened and vulnerable by this disease. And and yet, Lord, here we are in a local church asking uh, for your power to serve the people that you've placed in our care. And we thank you for that. Lord, would you pour your spirit out on the Rufe home? Pour your spirit out on Elodie's body as uh, the baby is brought to full term. Fill uh, Matthew and Elodie with your spirit to love one another well and to rest well in Christ Mm -hmm. so that they can lead from fullness. They can lead from a place of rested fullness, knowing that they are loved by you, God. So Lord, this is your church. We are your people. Have your way as we discuss this text in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. So part of the plan was to talk about eldership and bring on the Rufes and as Park Hills leaders, as the six of us, to walk through five verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 where Paul starts to tell the truth about leadership. He's been telling the truth all along, but you, can, you get the sense in this passage that this is where his initial argument was always headed. He starts his letter by saying, hey, you guys got to stop fighting over your elders and your leaders. Stop dividing over who's who and what's what and who gets your loyalty. And Because um, remember, we're all God's field. And Scott did a great job putting those thoughts together last week. We're all God's field. We are all God's building. And, and there are certain people that are raised up in certain times to water the field and to plant the field, but ultimately only God can grow it. Mm-hmm. So we just finished a, a, a worship live stream from our living room, which is something I never thought we would do. <laughs> how, how was that from your guys' perspective? For us, it was like life-giving to just put pause on the news and everything going on and just lift our eyes up to Jesus and just worship as a community, even virtually. Mm. It was just refreshing this morning. It just felt peace. And the song choice was just great. And Mm. it was just, it was refreshing. It just was what was needed in the moment. So I was just very grateful. I think just like keeping a rhythm, like, you know, we're not Mm -hmm. going to church, but we're still like having a a set time where we can just be together. I think it's really helpful. Mm -hmm. Keep stability. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I never, I mean, I'm glad the experience was, from our end, it was a blessing to involve our kids. I never thought we would do anything like this. I never thought that planting and watering and leading would involve a live stream camera in my living room <laughs> and and kid-made announcement cards. Um, they did a good job. Yeah, so... <laughs> The point is, God, today, today that was God building his church. <laughs> so God was growing this field, um, and we're all wondering if we're you know, using the right seed or using the right amount of water, and, and God's like, I'm, this is only I can grow it. And, and so this argument that Paul's making, God is growing his field, um, 
it lands him into this text today. So we're all planting and watering. We're just, we're just stewards. Do any of you want to read um, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5? I don't know if you have it open there. This is going to be our text. I can read it. Yeah. Um, so this then is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Awesome. Thanks, Elodie. Yeah, so Paul is talking about Christian leaders, and he makes this analogy. Christian leaders are stewards. Stewards. So I don't know if you guys like Lord of the Rings as much as I do. Mm. <laughs> so this, yeah. I'm just going to nerd out. My son's reading The Two Towers right now. The steward of Gondor was this <laughs> my wife's like <laughs> sorry i just fall asleep so many people are following you right now <laughs> yeah the steward of gondor he was holding down the fort while the king was away the whole the whole thing builds up to the return of the king yeah and while the king is gone uh, the steward is in in the lord of the rings he's like fattening himself on all the indulgent like lifestyle and oppressing people and and he hears that the king is coming and what is the steward supposed to do when they hear the king's coming like oh great this is what i've been working for i've kept his house safe but in lord of the rings the dude was super unfaithful Uh, he wanted to basically fight the king he wanted to kill the king which is the definition of unfaithful and so paul talks about christian leaders as these stewards these special kinds of servants that are holding down the fort while the king is away, this is a big point for Paul. Everyone who leads, even if you're not an elder of a church, so most of you listening are not you know, elders, you're not church planters, you are Christians, loved sons and daughters, who have a certain measure of influence. So everyone who influences in the family of God is actually a steward in God's house. And I think, Aaliyah, you brought up a really good point about the mysteries that we're stewarding. Yeah, we've just been talking um, leading up to this passage about the mysteries. And I think there's no better time than right now where we get to, as followers of Jesus, have comfort in a time where there's anxiety and we get to trust that God's going to provide. And um, I think that that is kind of what Paul is talking about. It's uh, the foolishness of the cross. Um, is really kind of revealed in these moments where it doesn't make sense why we have peace, but because of what Jesus mm. has done and that he's already gone before us, we get to have peace no matter what our circumstances look mm-hmm. like around us. And I'm feeling that these few weeks. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That cross-shaped wisdom. Paul's main point is about the leadership of the apostles. So he's, he's talking to the church and he's saying, Hey, us, Paul, Peter, Apollos types. Yeah. We're, we're special leaders in that we get to steward the gospel and write some of the Bible. They, they literally wrote the Bible. But there's another level that all of us are stewards. Every single person who has the Spirit of God inside of you, every single beloved son and daughter of God is stewarding 
part of the kingdom uh, and, and leading. We have the responsibility to lead during this time. And so one question I had written in my notes here, <laughs> what does Christian leadership look like during a pandemic? Like none of us could have planned this. Um, I would love to hear, I don't know if any of you guys have any input, like for you right now, what does it look like to lead in a godly way in, in the little sphere of life that you've been given responsibility over? What does faithfulness look like? Let's just talk about that. Cause we, we didn't make a, we didn't, this was not part of our plan. Right. I think for me leading right now, especially in our campus, as we transitioned from face-to-face courses to online courses, um, Christian leadership looks like not panicking, but being this non-anxious presence, like Aliyah was mentioning earlier, uh, which means like, in a sense, being selfless. I think it's easy to hoard on what we do and just take care of our own selves, which I think is important. But I think eventually leadership means also like, let me look out for other people in this season and see how I can be a part of helping them be non-anxious in that season. So for me, this Christian leadership is, is thinking about others in a way to say, how do I care for them? And what are their needs that we could meet maybe um, in the season of pandemic, which is difficult and is also different for each person. Mm-hmm. So that's what it looks like, at least for me right now is, okay, I'm taking care of my own courses. What does it look like to help other people um, mm-hmm. to succeed in the season? Because everybody has to move forward as well. So that's what I'm thinking about when I think of like Christian leadership in this season of pandemic. And then moving forward, how do we help our community um, in the season for those who maybe need groceries or needs financial support? How do we do this? I think these are the questions we are asking ourselves um, when we are Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. Sandy, you brought up a good point before we started. Yeah. What? Like, <laughs> those, <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, I didn't know which one. <laughs> It was like, I mean, we, we have this, this opportunity to lead and influence people for the kingdom in a time of uncertainty. All of us have this opportunity, but we're not going to do a very good job at it if we're anxious and if our souls are lean. Yes. Yeah. We were talking about, um, you can't steward well if you haven't even stewarded your own emotions and your own soul. So we actually hit a big speed bump yesterday we were supposed to record this <laughs> yeah. and we both just felt in our souls we were just not where we needed to be and we needed to take stewardship over our our souls and praise him and stop what we we're doing and refocus yeah and um you guys so graciously changed the day yeah <laughs> to today <laughs> i remember like five minutes before yesterday we we're supposed to record this podcast and my wife and i looked at each other in the heat of a fight and we're, we looked at each other like, she's like, I'm not going to record now. I'm like, well, we have to. She's like, you're not in the right spirit. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and we both literally stared at each other down like, we are stuck. We have to just confess to the elders that we're stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we so, blessed by that leadership because um, everybody's at home, close quarters right now. I don't yeah. think anybody is surprised by that are happening so it's good just to practice that confession and bring people in to pray and um so we were grateful for it yeah because you're not alone there's a couple things that came to my mind uh just how good a leadership that is um just in a few ways you know if you have something against your brother first go confess it before you bring your sacrifice to the altar um and the other one which applies directly even to the roofes today is that you know one of the qualifications of eldership is that a home is well taken care of 
and that the church is led in part out of how the home is led. And so for you guys to say our home needs to be managed before we maybe even so that we don't pretend to lead a church, but that we actually do it with sincerity just shows good quality eldership. And I know it's one of the reasons Aliyah and I trust you guys so much and are so excited to be on this team, especially in times of crisis. I think there's people who run from crises and people who run towards crises Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. the kind of authentic and sincere leadership that brought to us was just an encouragement to like keep running towards the crisis in faith because um, the really the only thing we can count on is Christ and, yeah. and being faithful to him is really the most important piece. So, right. Mm. We were in something that. that, you know, we forget it's like to be a good, a good leader. You need to take care of yourself. Um, if you want to help somebody else, like I always remember the, you know, you need to put your oxygen mask first before helping your neighbor. And I think mm-hmm. it's the same thing in time of crisis. You need to make sure you have your time with God and, Mm-hmm. your own emotions and going through that so you can help others and be the non-anxious presence mm-hmm. um i think a lot of us who love helping people we just like run to people first and then we just forget to take care of ourselves and then that's not that's not good so i think it's really important as leader to just being faithful in, in spending your time with god and then processing your own emotions and with mm-hmm. your community so you can be like ready to help other people so. Yeah, maybe one thing you can speak to Evan and and the others as well. But there's some people who don't identify as leaders. How could you speak to them? Yeah. Because I think you, you're including everyone. Some people don't yeah. feel like they're leaders at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yet, mm-hmm. in this passage from Paul is clearing like, no, you guys are stewards. Yes. But people are like, I don't feel like it. I'm not leading people. I don't run a company. I don't run a church. How would you speak to them? Yeah, Schizero has a great paradigm for that. Like, um, we talk about power and leadership and the power. That, pe- that people in authority have, but his definition of power is just influence, power and influence. They're the same. They're the syn- they're synonymous. And so to whatever degree you have influence in other people's lives is the degree of leadership that God has called you to lean into for his glory. So um, whether it is your community, your voice in over zoom, you can only really hear one voice at a time. So when you're speaking, you're exercising power over people to some degree um, and those those layers of influence and power only grow if you're gifted. And so everybody has various forms of giftings, and those are co- those are power cores. Those are leadership uh, engines in our lives. And when we when we're thriving in our gifting, whether it's making a dance video or or like my son does or whatever it might be, uh, that's power and influence. Mm-hmm. And so so that that leads us into verse two, where Paul says the one requirement for people who lead. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust, those who have been entrusted with a gift, it's required that they must prove faithful. And so if you have the spirit of God, if you are a son or daughter of God and you follow Jesus and you have the spirit, then whatever influence you've been given, it is required that you are faithful with that. Um, And that's really the main takeaway for this conversation for me and for Sandy, yesterday, that faithfulness involved us avoiding hypocrisy mm-hmm. and saying we cannot step into a teaching moment when we are at each other's throats. Me, mostly, was at her throat for just feeling like I had to control the world and she was in my way because I need to solve everyone's problems, which is impossible anyways. And I was not being faithful. So for me, that required confession 
with a community. And I think in this moment, the spirit wants to awaken. If you're listening to this, you're like, I'm not a leader. Um, I would say this crisis that we are in is exposing our sleepiness about how influential God is calling us all to be. Mm. And in this moment, the spirit wants to awaken all of us to our calling to be faithful stewards of whatever room in God's house you occupy. If you're a student or if you're a, a child living at home, you're not even your own dependent on a tax return yet. It doesn't matter. It's not just the pastors. It is you. The Protestant reformers famously called this the priesthood of all believers. When the Holy Spirit came and the Spirit fell on young and old, sons and daughters will prophesy, the old will dream dreams. Everyone is called to steward the gift that God has given us to. It doesn't matter if you're like, you know, paid by a church as a mm -hmm. pro Never in my lifetime have I seen such a need for Christians to wake up to this identity. I think it has been exciting, um, even if you don't see yourself as a leader, just the smallest bit of faithfulness to text somebody something encouraging to yeah. honestly like Venmo somebody $5 for coffee. It's such a big deal right now. And that's leadership, just encouraging. Um, we've been seeing like so many people in our church just knowing needs our young people have been taking older people groceries and all these things that seem kind of small are a huge deal. So mm -hmm. it's a special time to just be faithful with whatever means you have and just ask God to bless it. And he's totally going to. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's more impactful than, than we realize. Yeah, it's true. We've even noticed we just moved into a neighborhood and just um, standing outside of our door, <laughs> how much people, I mean, there's a lot of older people in our neighborhood and how much they just appreciate somebody. They just want to have a conversation for me. Oh my gosh, away, they want to waste so much of your time. And <laughs> if you give it to them, I think that there's more you get back than I get back more than I thought I was going to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, What I like about this verse on this one is like, it is required. It's like Paul is calling us to step up in that season. Yes. I feel, I feel like that. And it's, it's interesting because exactly what you're saying, which is it's a crisis. So everything kind of goes in a sense, but at the same time, it's like, we're almost like required now to prove faithful, mm -hmm. which will mean that we're going to have to be stretched in our faith. But I think it goes back to what you've been saying and preaching before, which is we've already been blessed and poured into and given so much in the last couple years as a church. We've been like, you know, listening to sermons and praying together and growing together that now it's time to pull out of that reserve to prove faithful, to use that for the community and for the sake of our, of our city. And mm -hmm. I think for me, the requirement, it seems like daunting sometimes, like, oh my gosh, I'm required. But it's like, no, 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 we were given so much. We have that, like you were saying, Evan, before we have that already, it's just a matter of drawing it out, taking care of ourselves, like Elodie is saying, and be able to pour it out. So the requirement is less of a daunting task. It's more like you have it already in you. God has given us, has blessed us. It's a matter of pulling it out now because it's this time that it needs to come out. So I like the requirement idea there for me. Yeah. And so at Park Hill, if we could sum up what this faithfulness might look like in this time, like what does it look like to be a faithful church when you can't gather um, and you can't lay hands on each other and pray and you can't be more than less than six feet from each other. Um, what does it look like to be faithful stewards of what God has given? And you, Matt, you brought up a good point. Like, we might see our neighbor, yeah. our across-the-street neighbor, more in person than anyone else over the next month. Yeah. That's kind of a gift. That's kind of like we've been preaching, like, you know, be on mission to your neighbor or whatever. Now that's all we have. We're stuck. <laughs> I just, I, 
I feel like this time of being quarantined has just shown me how much, how selfish I am with my time. And I mean, I think if people feel like they're, they're not leaders or they don't have a voice or they're not imaging God in a profound way, um, I, maybe the thing that I've been convicted by, and maybe you guys should check your own hearts, is like, how much influence am I ignoring? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's my neighbors most of the time. Like, I would walk in my house and I leave my house and I don't necessarily take the time to be available and friendly and like you know i don't i don't take the time to be a good neighbor because i'm busy and i have my own agenda but god put me next to them so what's god's agenda with that neighbor and come it's on just a huge conviction for me that that mm. there's more influence around me that i think isn't worth my time that's probably more worth my time and more influential than the things that i think i'm doing that are going to change the world is actually my neighbor mm. is probably most likely person I have to influence. So it's just been a conviction for me. So Park Hill, uh, if you have a paper and pen or you're writing, writing this down or remember these things, I really think God is calling us deeply into these. And this is going to shape us from the inside. What does faithful stewardship as a church look like? Number one, um, consciously engage community. So we are putting community. We've always said it's central to our church right now. It's all, it's all we can do is meet over zoom and get beneath each other's hearts and find out how we're really doing and pray for one another, bring an encouragement for that zoom community. I know it's awkward, especially if you don't know each other super well, if you're a newer community and you're looking at each other's faces on your screen, Mm -hmm. um, but lean into it, pray together, share life, unpack, you know, Tim Mackey's teaching from last week. And then this teaching for next week. Walk through 1 Corinthians together. This is becoming the steward of God's house that he's called you to be in this moment. And number two, prayer. I'd love to hear how you guys have been experiencing daily prayer, because this, to me, has been a highlight of my day-to-day life. We have daily prayer over Zoom at noon. Why don't you guys share share your experience with that? Yeah, I think it's been um, really special for our church. We've um, We've been praying towards this as Park Hill leadership for a couple of years now, that prayer would become more central. Mm-hmm. And we were doing that with pre-gathering prayer and Wednesday morning prayer. And this um, just kind of stay at home has launched us into every day at noon. Yeah. Having um, a Zoom meeting where we get to pray for each other and just going through gratitude and confession mm-hmm. and praying for one another. And it's been so special. Yeah. And I mean, with everybody at home, just to take a lunch break and be able to do that. It's like, yeah. So life giving. Yeah. I'm in, I just really agree with that. I think there was um, like a thousand years ago, uh, St. Benedict, he started the Benedictine order. This is like pre, you know, medievals when things got real weird. So they're still really like just solid <laughs> pastors trying to serve their monastery and their local neighborhood really well. And he used to have this bell. It's called the Benedictine bell. Whenever you ring it, you stop conversation. You stop translating the Bible. You stop working in the field and you changed what you were doing and gave God the time that was allotted for that next hour. And the bell would once an hour and you would change that hour on the minute because it was God's time. And I think that that's what prayer daily at noon has that zoom, that little, like, I can't even replicate it, but that digital little beep, beep, beep or whatever that goes off because it's time is, is the the digital Benedictine 
um, coming through and telling me, hey, it's God's time. Stop what you're doing. It's not as important as praying with your community. So that's what it's been for me. Yeah, I, I do. I do think faithful stewardship involves making prayer central again. So yeah, church, every day at noon, we gather as a whole church. Uh, these moments have been so powerful and life-giving for me. We need to hear each other's voices. So if you have a lunch break, if you're still working and you have a lunch break, if you're not and you're at home, no excuse. Set aside one or two lunch breaks <laughs> a week to, re, to re-engage like, your church and pray together. Um, we have tons of room for a ton, a ton of you to come, up to 500, I think. And if, yeah. and if we push that limit, we'll get the bigger license, push the room to 1,000. Um, so number one, consciously engage community. Number two, make prayer your central rhythm. Number three, what does it look like to be faithful? It means to give faithfully and courageously. And so this one, this is when the rubber meets the road for us, right? Like this is, this is when it starts to get personal. It starts to hit our pocketbook. Um, if, but here's the deal. In this moment, God is going to use faithful, non-scarcity mindset uh, individuals and communities to bless the world with the presence of God and the provision of God. If your financial situation has not been adversely affected, listen, uh, if you are still, you still have a job, you still have the paycheck you had before the COVID thing, then listen, Park Hill Leadership invites you to continue giving faithfully and generously in the coming weeks and months. This is another area of stewardship and influence for the kingdom. So if you, if you have the financial means, also we invite you to prayerfully consider giving above and beyond in this next season. Some of us at Park Hill can, if, and if you feel led, this will be vital to moving the mission of our church forward now and in the future. And we know this will be an act of courage and faithful stewardship in a time like this. And of course, if you are experiencing or will soon experience severe financial hardship, um, we would love to hear from you. Just before we recorded this, Matt, you were saying it can be, you know, it can feel awkward or embarrassing to ask for help. But the New Testament clearly commands church leaders to look out for the needs of the household of God. (laughs) So Park Hill Church, please share specific needs with us via email. We'll keep your name as confidential as we completely confidential. This is just to help you so we can rally around you as faithful stewards. We, Park Hill elders, the six of us on this Zoom call, are committed to financially support those in need as far as we can during this time of uncertainty financially as a church. And by the way, we just started a conversation as leaders about what would it look like for me as lead pastor to take a pay cut for a season of standing with our church in a time of uncertainty and solidarity. Again, out of not, not out of fear, out of absolute love and boldness and courage that God is taking us into his future. And we want to prepare to serve best. Whatever sacrifice to us is required, we want to serve you best. And so the details are being worked out, but this is the significant risk and courage that we are committed to as Park Hill leaders. So when we call you to give, we're not doing it so that you know pastors can feel safe that our paychecks are coming in. No, we're together for the gospel. Lean into this crisis because I love how you know Craig Groeschel says every crisis is an opportunity. Don't waste a crisis. Yeah. Um, and so this is an opportunity to see, like, wow, Lord, what new beginnings are you opening up through deaths of things? When things die, new things live. And so, Lord, how can we invest? Where can we put our bags of gold? 
per se. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, this is the church. This is it. I mean, we can speak about it all day long. This is the church. By doing that, by sharing with each other, by praying with each other, this is what the church has been for thousands of years and needs to keep going for. Um, it's not just a Sunday morning gathering. This is the practical way the church actually exists to be the kingdom of God here on earth and bringing about, especially in the season. So I'm, I'm just excited about that idea and more that has been just put together because, again, I think this is who we are. This is what we're supposed to be. This is what it looks like to be followers of Jesus for me um, in that season, yeah. practically. Yeah. Not just yes. like a sermon or worship, like practically, here's how we do this. Yes. In this 21st century San Diego. Yes. In the yes. So mm-hmm. I'm just excited and stoked about that idea. Yeah. yeah. So faithful stewardship, engage community, dig in, make prayer central, come to daily prayer, give faithfully and courageously. It'll be sacrificial for sure. And then number four, finally, uh, just prepare your heart to worship well. Prepare your heart to worship well, whether it's Sunday on the live stream. I know watching an internet broadcast of people playing music is hard, harder than an in-gathering worship experience. But don't come as a watcher, come choosing to worship. Mm-hmm. Just make that choice. Come prepared to worship well. And like Sandy said, daily Worship isn't just Sunday. We need to prepare to, to live differently in the day. Like, I feel like three days ago, I finally figured out how to be a Christian again. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, well, I found out yesterday how to be a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> like, two, two and a half weeks ago, we're at Disneyland, literally 24 hours before they closed Disneyland for coronavirus. And I'm, pan- I'm, I'm inside panicking, outside trying to lead, get all the information, share it with people. I'm making my kids anxious, my wife anxious, my team anxious. And my responses aren't godly. They're re- fleshly reactions. And it was just two weeks of panicked grieving, I realized. Mm. Um, I wasn't prepared to worship, let alone lead or steward God's house, whatever part of God's house I live in. So what does it look like for you if this is the new normal? Mm-hmm. How's your heart with that? Yeah. Um, I like one thing that Matt's been talking about lately. Who's it by? Oh, Ronald Rollhauser. Ronald Rollhauser. It's been very encouraging to me. He wrote it specifically to parents, actually. Um, but just talking about how a monastery isn't a place and it's not separated from everyone in perfect silence, but it's actually just those moments in our day where we're able to just kind of pause. Actually, mothers specifically have the ability to be monastic because they're constantly interrupted and they're having to plug in those moments of connection with God wherever they fit because you don't have the ability to go be um, alone in silence and peace. You actually have to just go, okay, I've got five minutes. I'm going to give this to the Lord. And then, and then you're interrupted and you learn how to respond well Mm -hmm. and kind of live from that place of wholeness and like connected to the Lord and It's also cool because it's such an example of how we're supposed to be with God. We're supposed to constantly be um, running to the Lord and saying like, ah, I need this just like our kids are. Mm -hmm. And so they're kind of that reminder for us, like as much as they just interrupt us and they're unaware of what's going on, um, God wants us to be that way with him just throughout the day, calling on him when we can. So Mm -hmm. just kind of bringing the monastery into our home where it fits has been really shaping our week and it's taking some time <laughs> for that to really like settle in and make that a practice, but mm-hmm. it's been um, special 
like while we practice trying to make that happen yeah. has been awesome as our kids are home and they're yeah. loud. It's definitely practicing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> practice. Fantastic mm. line. I think he says, speaking of mothers, when your agenda is forced in constant to be constantly interrupted, you are forced to constantly rely on God. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. <laughs> I can't. It's so hard. interruptions interruptions are literally the worst thing in the world to me they hurt your brain they hurt my brain and my soul but about three mornings ago there was a distinct choice that i made where i feel like i'm i'm filling a different role now i'm occupying a vocation of steward in a different way and uh, it's not without its imperfections for sure Um, but i think this moment is a kairos moment where that, that word kairos is Greek for time. It is a significant hour. This is the hour. This is the time mm. where God is calling us to wake up. He's always inhabited time. God wants us to give him time. Mm-hmm. The moment of interruption is really the main attraction when you're living in the spirit. And uh, God, help me, help me to step into that every day. Yeah. The reason this is so important for Paul is because he says Jesus is the judge. Jesus is our judge. Um, I've heard it said, you know, we're saved by grace, but we're judged by our works. So many of the judgment passages in the New Testament are for Christians. And we will stand before Jesus who will look at us lovingly as sons and daughters of his father and hand us reward according to what we did with his house while he was away. (laughs) And, And he says... Paul is like, I don't care if I'm judged by human courts. I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. It's the Lord who judges me. The Lord has the power and authority to condemn my actions. Mm-hmm. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Don't, don't worry about you know, what the church across the street is doing or what your leader may or may not be thinking. We can't mind read. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what's hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. A lot of motives are being exposed during this time of crisis. And Jesus is like, I already saw that in you. (laughs) He's like, I already knew that you would act that way if this moment came. And now you know. So what are you going to let me do with it? Um, It actually brings Paul to a place of confidence. You could argue the peak of his argument was that um, the church in Corinth was behaving like babies. They were immature. They were, they were drinking milk when they should have been eating meat. Um, and so he's setting himself up as an example saying, Hey, I, I know I'm not judged by humans. I'm judged by the Lord. So are you, but I'm going to lead by example right now and let you know that I am very concerned with what Jesus thinks of me. On one hand, I know absolutely that I'm saved by grace. For by grace you've been saved, not of works, lest you boast. And yet at the same time, he disciplines those he loves. Yeah. He disciplines, the, and it's always for our gain and for our growth. But if, if, I, don't, if I don't agree with the discipline Jesus gives, then the discipline is just going to double down. And I'm going to miss out on heavenly reward. I mean, how you can't get better than that. And yeah, God doesn't demand perfection. I think, you know, that's a bad interpretation of, you know, when Jesus says, you know, be perfect as my father in heaven is perfect in Matthew 5. That word is the same word where 
Paul says mature. God is calling us to be mature. It's the exact same word, telos. He wants us to grow and to be completed in Christ. He wants, he wants us to be brought to completion. Uh, not perfection, but maturity. And, and there's, there's reward in the courts of Jesus for his loved children who are forever loved and forever saved and forever held close. But there is reward for those who take their entrustment seriously. And right now we've been entrusted with a Kairos moment where we are given the gift of a, a crisis, <laughs> whether or not we always see it as a gift. Right. But our, our place in this moment is to dig deep and to see how God would animate us for the good of the vulnerable. And, and man, I'm going to receive praise from Jesus for what I do with this moment. Like, mm-hmm. like am I going to numb myself with Netflix or am I going to consider, hey, I think God wants me to write a song for the church or whatever it might be. It's funny, I think, bring something that's um, at core of that pandemic and crisis for most people is revealing in our hearts, what's our picture of God? Mm-hmm. And, and we behave based on the vision of God. And, and I think, um, yeah, the suffering, why is this happening? All this is like, there's a big, big thing that tends to push us towards saying, well, what is God doing in all this? And, and I think it reveals in our hearts, how do we picture God? And what you're saying, I think, from this passion from Paul is like, there's just longing for God to just see us as being faithful stewards of what he's given us. Yeah. And praise will come out of that. And it's just so encouraging to remind us that God is good and God is like loving. <laughs> and and we, we forget that. And I think the season of pandemic gives us a lot of, of those questions and doubts towards who God is. And that for me, that sermons and that preaching and teaching reminds us like, no, God is good. God is faithful. Yeah. God is with us. And we've been entrusted. I mean, yeah. that's a huge thing that God entrusts us to support his kingdom. Yeah. He could use so many other people and yet he entrusted us at different layers and different levels. Mm-hmm. That's so encouraging that the God in heaven and earth for which we have, for whom we have no language to even describe him allows himself to use us to bring about his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's encouraging. And that gives me a picture of God that is so, um, so grand, so grandiose and so big. I just want to worship. And all I can Come do on. Right, because I get to be a steward of God's kingdom right now on earth for this season. Mm-hmm. That's 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 I mean, that's, if we don't worship after this, I don't know what else we get to do. Because yeah. God could fix this without us, out of snap of a finger. And somehow he chooses us to be a part of that kingdom coming here on earth, even in the midst of this suffering and pain and difficulties. He's with us, Emmanuel God with us. I'm just I'm just in awe of God just chewing, choosing us to be stewards. That's such a, shows a loving father who would just give us good gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just encouraging that we get to be stewards. It's so, I love like you were saying, it's not condemnation, it's not judging. It's like, no, 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 God is disciplined because we get to be stewards. Of course he's going to do that. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So that's just encouragement for me. Gosh. Yeah, that's amazing. We should make you an elder. <laughs> <laughs> good idea. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Praise God. You guys are amazing. I love getting to do life and ministry and serving God's people with you. You guys are all incredible. Yeah. Uh, and Park Hill family, I'm so glad that you all were able to listen in on this conversation and pray along with us and welcome through phase into leadership over this church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, from the Wickhams and the Persleys and the Rufays, may the Lord bless you in your homes and may he keep you and may his face shine upon you and be gracious to you bring you peace. If there's anything we can do to help you feel more connected in this incredibly disconnected time, uh, let's get connected. Reach out to us. We'd love 
to shepherd you through uh, what it looks like to steward the life God has given you to live and the influence he's called you to use for his kingdom. We'd love to walk you through that. Have an amazing week.